here in my garage. Just bought this uh, new Lamborghini here. It's fun to drive up here in the Hollywood Hills. But you know what I like a lot more than materialistic things? These oh, oh, oh. Broadcasting from Brisbane, Australia, this is The FOMO Show. I'm Matt. And I'm Joe. This is the podcast where you hear about cryptocurrency, blockchain, and future tech in relatively plain English. We'll help you stay across the crypto world so you don't get the fear of missing out. You can find us at FOMO.show or by searching for The FOMO Show on your platform of choice. Wait, so episode 12. Keen episode. It's episode 12, right? What are we talking about this, this week? Uh, so this week we'll be talking about EOS. We're going to check in and give you a general update on EOS. Crypto bloodbath. It's been pretty intense. So we're going to talk about strategies to take during it. We're going to do a new segment as well. It, just with everything that's been going on, we really think that it's about time we start talking about privacy and security and so how you can take better care of your crypto and just generally in, in, in life as well um, using technology. So... We're going to start that segment and we'll probably be having a segment on that every every other week. We're going to take a look at a couple of the cryptocurrencies that we think are probably worth a look or another look. And uh, we're going to go through some of the highlights from the Coindesk State of Blockchain report. So what have you been up to the last couple of weeks? Mate, I've been overseas. So uh, for the last almost a month, I've been overseas on holiday. <laughs> and uh, it's been really good. So I've had to come back to reality. <laughs> uh, and the stifling heat of, of Brisbane. For those of you guys that don't know, it is really hot here at the moment. Mm-hmm. And uh, Joe and I are sitting in a non-air-conditioned room, so if we sound a little bit annoyed during the podcast, that's the reason why. But yeah, mate, no, I went to uh, LA for a few days and then I went snowboarding in Canada for a couple of weeks. Nice. And then I came back via Hawaii. And so cool. it was just a, it was a really, really good trip. It was nice to get away. Amazing, amazing. What have you been up to, mate? Oh, I've just I've just been trying to work out different ways of saying it's real freaking hot because <laughs> I'm an Englishman living in Australia and uh, it's it's a tricky one. For those of you that haven't experienced Australian heat, um, the best way to explain it is that you have a shower and then you'll get out of the shower and within five minutes you'll be just covered in sweat again. <laughs> so you'll feel really good for those five minutes, but after that, it's just back to a sweaty existence <laughs> oh. the last couple of weeks what's been uh, what's been piquing your interest mate I've been really getting into smart contracts oh because yeah you were sitting learning solidity <laughs> on a plane weren't you yeah yeah I think a few people were probably looking at me a bit weird because <laughs> I, I basically had my little laptop set up on one side of the tray and then I had my phone on the other side which I'd saved a whole bunch of programming lessons on and then I'd got the pillows that they supply and I, I got, luckily I had a, a spare seat next to me on one of the flights and I'd stack the pillows up I'd sit the phone on top so it was just close enough that I could make out all the little bits of programming that the guy teaching the lecture was typing <laughs> and I'd learn programming so that was um, that's interesting and the reason I'm doing it is just because I want to be able to really dig into all of these smart contracts a lot more I've been reading a lot of the documentation on Solidity which is the Ethereum smart contract language and a, a, a bunch of white papers. The, the flights were really good for that, just reading a, a bunch of white papers on a lot of these different concepts and platforms. And, mate, I've just been getting more and more excited about smart contracts. I think every time I talk to you about this stuff, I'm like, and you can do this or you can do that. <laughs> it's like <laughs> the possibilities are endless. He pulls know? up his phone, shows me an email. He's like, this email 
could be on the blockchain. <laughs> oh, it's great. So that's been what's exciting me, mate. And there's just a lot of really cool projects, and we'll, we'll touch on one later that are working within that space mm. and really mm. trying to tear down a lot of those technological walls so people can make use of the smart contract technology without mm. knowing a lot of the the code behind it. Mm. So, so we'll be catching up on what Matt's been picking up and all all the different opportunities that you're spotting that with that smart contract is going to be he- absolutely huge. So, um, we're really excited to talk about that um, in coming episodes. So, yeah, looking forward to that, mate. What's exciting you? Mate, this this whole the drop in crypto prices it's been nice and prolonged. I've been really enjoying it. I mean, I see prices drop and I get so excited. But I kept buying the dip. I kept buying the dip of the dip, and then I kept buying, and then I ran out of money. And now, <laughs> you know, I wait in paycheck to paycheck just to. And the thing is, yeah, there's only so much I really really. There's there's only so much money you can really put in before you have no money left. I yeah, mean, yeah. I got to eat food, so um, yeah, it's been exciting though. Like yeah. some absolute deals on some of those things. So, yeah, mate. Yeah. Some of them have dropped a lot more than I think it really makes any sense. You yeah. know, like there's, there's some currencies that have dropped from like fortieth to like eightieth. Mm. Uh, res- like with respective market cap, mm. and it doesn't make a lot of sense because mm. they haven't announced anything bad. Nothing bad's happened. But for some reason, some have just sold off more than others. When we get into the um, the CoinDesk state of the uh, state of blockchain report, there's some really interesting bits in there. Actually, like one of the bits on how many people check their prices every hour. Yeah, right. Um, and that's that's a really interesting figure. So um, look forward to that towards the end of our noon section. Cool, mate. Let's get into it. Yeah. Is this investment advice? In a word, no. This isn't investment advice. Look, new cryptocurrencies seem to be popping up every day and it's hard to know which ones are legitimate and which aren't. We're not saying you should buy anything at all. Full disclosure, we're both personally invested in different cryptocurrencies, some of which we talk about on the show. But if we talk about a project, it doesn't mean that you should buy it. You're all adults. If you're not an adult, talk to an adult. Don't spend your parents' money. If you're not an adult, well, at least don't tell them that you're spending their money. <laughs> but look, basically, <laughs> do your research, never invest more than you can afford to lose, and please avoid the fear of missing out because that's mm, when you make worse mm, decisions. Mm, mm, it's true. So if you've never bought crypto before, um, why not check out our guide at fomo.show slash 101. It's got everything you need to know uh, about how to buy, store, and send your first Bitcoin. Um, if you've got a question about anything you've heard or read in the guide, um, drop us a tweet, email us, or join our Slack message board at fomo.show slash slack. If you're new around here and, and new to crypto in general, you can do worse than checking out our Blockchain Basics series. It starts in episode two and continues until episode eight. And what it'll do, it'll give you some grounding in the fundamentals and help you understand what on earth we're talking about. Unfortunately, with this format being a podcast format we can't like run through all the basics every episode and some people say to us look love the podcast but it's kind of hard to understand what you guys are talking about if that's you duck back go back through the archives download the episodes you don't have to listen to everything you can just listen to the blockchain basic stuff if you want we've time stamped everything in the show notes so when you go download the podcast jump into the show notes and you can actually normally click 
especially if you're using uh, Podcast Addict, which is the one I use, you can right. click on the actual timestamp yeah, nice. and it'll take you there. Same um, if you're on uh, YouTube on your desktop. That's right. It's pretty sweet. Yeah, you can click on it. You'll go straight to the Blockchain Basics segment. Just run through them. Hopefully, you should have a lot better of an idea than about cryptocurrencies in general, some of the technology behind it, and then, yeah, what on earth we're talking about. Cool. Yeah. So, let's jump into some of the news. So, yeah, mate, the first bit of news is that Facebook announced that it's banning ads for cryptocurrency, and this came pretty hot on the heels of all the BitConnect stuff we talked about last time. So, for those of you guys that don't know, there's this giant Ponzi scheme called BitConnect. Look it up. There's some hilarious videos on YouTube, but a lot of people have lost a lot of money, and there's some class action lawsuits coming out about the same thing. And what you've, you've probably seen this yourself. If you're on Facebook, there's a lot of chatter about crypto, but it, it's targeting relatively unsophisticated people, and it's all about how much money you can make doing this you know it's all about the money and and it's normally people promoting their own products mm. their own courses to help people understand bitcoin and mm. how to profit from bitcoin and mm. um and there's been so much this going around that facebook have just said look we're just going to ban the whole thing for now mm-hmm. um which look at i mean at the end of the day they're a company we use their platform they can do what they want but the problem is it's it's stopped then a lot of legitimate people who are you know just wanting to talk about their meetup or mm-hmm. uh, advertise uh, an education program or mm. and basically anything with blockchain or crypto in it from doing that. It's interesting that that follows up on the uh, Mark Zuckerberg's post uh, we mentioned a couple uh, episodes ago where one of his goals for 2018 is looking into distributed ledger tech yeah and it's you know some have even speculated that it's you know facebook's way of blocking competition for an as yet unnamed facebook coin yeah yeah that doesn't sound like them at all though blocking competition does it oh they wouldn't dare. <laughs> they wouldn't dare. Uh, so That's... in connection with that there was also news that uh, banks and credit card companies have actually been getting out the banhammer for cryptocurrencies and so there's this reports of all these people getting letters from their banks telling them you need to stop buying crypto we're not actually going to allow you to purchase from uh, these different companies and at first when I saw it I was like oh that's that's horrible you know Mm -hmm. how can they restrict these people from doing it but then I then you read the stories and there's people getting like $15,000 credit cards maxing them out on Bitcoin at the top and then when Bitcoin dropped, being Ooh. unable to pay the repayments because they got so excited about it, it was just going up and up and look, all these f- people on Facebook probably telling them that it's going to go up and up and they've maxed out their credit cards. Um, and while I don't agree with you know banks just restricting people from doing things, at the end of the day, they have to look after their bottom line as well. You know, mm-hmm. And I think that's where the, the motivation for this has come from is that they're just saying, well, we're not going to be able to make our money back if we keep offering, you know, the opportunity for people to max out their credit cards on cryptocurrency. Mm, mm, mm. So it's like, yeah, there have been a lot of stories from the US on that, but mm. I mean, equally, you've seen some stories from Australia and other countries yeah. as well. You know, it's it just continues. So yeah, we'll be which isn't it, look, it, it's not a bad thing, I don't think, because the more you shut try and shut people out from something, generally, the more people want to get at it. 
Another little piece, ZDNet. Um, they've ranked the... Um, what is that? Just ZNet. That's weird. I've never known how to pronounce that. Anyway, they've put a piece out where they're ranking the technologies most likely to change the world by 2028. Now, interestingly, there is no mention of the blockchain or anything like that, or blockchain technology, I should say. But um, yeah, just to just go through that list. It's really interesting. You can check out the link in the show notes. They've got uh, syngas and power to gas. So producing fuels from CO2, that's one of them. Neural interfaces, sugar reduction, polyethylene furanote, furanoate, bio-based polymer to compete with uh, PET plastics. Got en- energy distribution system monitoring. You've got edge computing, IoT security, materials informatics, wireless charging, smartwatches, AR, um, augmented reality, that is, synthetic biology, solid state batteries, microbiomes. So that's harnessing the power of microbes for nutrition, agriculture, and more. And uh, 5G networks, genome editing, 3D printing, and additive manufacturing and machine learning and deep neural networks. So that will save you clicking through a slideshow that takes, just actually has no value. But no blockchain. No blockchain. No blockchain for you. (laughs) Moving on. Did you hear about that piece of malware that was using one of the um, Shadow Brokers NSA exploits to to mine Monero? Yeah, look, this is... It's what confuses me about these exploits because it's, it's like... The NSA and the FBI and all these other security agencies think they're the only ones that are going to be able to use this stuff. But the moment people figure out how to use them, they can they can use the same backdoor that the NSA is designed. Mm, mm. Yeah, because they've they've really been sort of just stockpiling all these sort of zero day exploits or even mm. just just um, vulnerabilities that they've discovered in computers and haven't necessarily alerted manufacturers to, mm. and. Um, and yeah, probably only when you know these leaks get published do they do they let people. Well, that's probably when a lot of the manufacturers find out. Anyway, Proofpoint reported that the um, Smomindru botnet has been infecting computers since May 2017, mining about 24 Monero coins per day. So to date, it's reportedly managed to mine about 8,900 Monero, or about 2.1 million dollars at the time of press. So fair enough. Some bloke has gone out there, taken a one of the NSA's exploits that they found, mm. just used it against other people. It's yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you, you credit to you. Fair enough. You got to give him credit. Yeah, fair enough. Man. So mate, there was a um, Californian city that's going to experiment with uh, UBI, Universal Basic Income, isn't it? So yeah, this city is looking to give five hundred dollars a month to each uh, citizen, I believe, regardless of whether they're employed or not. Um, So, yeah, this uh, city of Stockton actually went bankrupt in 2012, according to World News Daily. And for decades, it's been trying to diversify its agriculture-based economy. So, yeah, the mayor is behind behind this, along with a a bunch of other backers as well. What they want to do is gather some data, run a test, and see what the impact is of giving everybody in a city $500 a month. And we've had some in- interesting conversations <laughs> off off the record about universal basic income in the past. Yeah, some differing differing perspectives, but there are some really interesting ideas that come out of universal basic income. Yeah, but also some real potential problems with it. We could do a whole episode on universal basic income and 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 the different thoughts on it. But my issue with universal basic income is that generally a market will respond to whatever the financial conditions are. 
that are that are in in society in general. Yeah. Um, and the problem is, is if you start giving, in my view, if you start giving people a certain amount of money automatically, mm-hmm. what a market will normally do is adjust for that. So we've seen it in the last sixty or seventy years with fractional reserve banking. Mm-hmm. So a, a lot of central banks have built in an inflation rate. Mm-hmm. So they've said we're going to increase the currency by three percent, for example, here in Australia every year. And what companies have done is said, well, if the if the currency is inflating by three percent every year, then we and people are getting three percent more every year, then we need to up our prices by three percent every year as well, because mm. otherwise we're getting less. It's a race to the top. Exactly, and that's my fear with this is that it's essentially just going to make a certain portion of society reliant on this UBI mm-hmm. and create the impression that this is, I mean, it's in the name, universal basic income. The impression is is that you should probably be able to survive off it. Um, it's enough to kind of get you by if things are really tough and you don't have a job. But if the market adjusts for that and kind of builds that extra amount of income in for everyone, then what it's going to do is just make everything more expensive. And create a bigger gap between the the people who are earning and who aren't earning. Exactly, yeah. Mm. It would actually have the opposite effect to what they're hoping it's going to have and and make the have-nots provide more to the haves, you know, and Mm. and still be have-nots. But this this encourages me because they're doing an experiment. Mm. And Mm. that's what I like to see. It's, it's, It's a lot better than just by government coming out one day and saying we're implementing UBI. They're actually mm. going to look at this and see what the effects will be. Mm. Yeah, because one of, uh, towards the end of the article in World News Daily, it said in addition to tracking what residents do with the money, mm. Warren said that uh, Warren, who I believe uh, is co-chairman of the Economic Security Project, which is contributing a million dollars to the project. Um, Warren said that they will be monitoring how a basic income affects things like self-esteem and yeah. identity. Yeah. So, uh, it's a really interesting sort of point. TransferWise are opening borderless bank accounts. Um, and it's now in beta. Um, thanks to Karsim, who you may have heard the other show uh, on gaming cryptocurrencies. He actually... Um, sent us the link to the beta which you can find in the show notes um not sure if this is just for uk listeners but either way it seems cool basically TransferWise, which is a company run by some of the uh, skype co-founders lets you send money internationally for really really low fees way lower than if you were sending with your bank if you set up one of these borderless bank accounts with TransferWise, you'll have 28 currencies in a multi-currency account you'll get international bank details and a mastercard debit card so you'll get an Australian account number and BSB code, a British account number and sort code, a European IBAN, and a US account number and routing number. So you'll be able to receive money in a bunch of different countries in a bunch of different ways. And you can use your bank details to get paid in Australia, um, the Eurozone, US and UK, and you don't pay any fees. And it's super cool. So you'd have this MasterCard, you walk around wherever you go. You, you've, been, you've just been abroad. What yep. do you reckon of that? It sounds great, mate, because the, the one thing that really kills you is these international transfer fees. Mm. Wherever you go, you're always worried about what currency you're using your card. Mm. I'm lucky enough to have a card that kind of already does this. Because right. uh, there are some banks like, like Citibank and stuff that do... They're kind of like a global bank and they, you know, that, it means that if you've got a card with them, you don't get the same fees. But at the same time, um, 
you never really know what exchange rate you're getting behind the scenes. You're not paying the transfer fees, but you still get an exchange. It's, your money still gets exchanged at a certain rate, and I'm sure there's a, a little bit cut off the top every time you, you do use it. So, so if you're a jet setter or if you, you, you're, you're doing business in a bunch of countries, I guess businesses might be able to use it. But Well, the, the, other, the other great thing with this too is that you get accounts in different countries, mm. and that's like I don't get that with my... You know my my card, my card, for example, but this actually gives you the ability to transact and put money in accounts mm. in different zones. So it's like really the future cool. of you know inter- like this is like the international sort of globalization dream we all you know you will hear about on the news. You know, doing business across markets and all those big terms <laughs> and like it's it's pretty exciting. Yeah, and it's it's kind of just it's it's interesting a little bit too because. Why did this happen sooner? You know, it's kind of like this crypto stuff is... Crypto's really taken off last year and now it's everyone's talking about it and all of a sudden these banks are starting to say, well, well, we can we can do this too. <laughs> you know, we can, you know we, can, we can do it without any fees and you won't have to pay fees anymore. And mm. it's kind of like they're trying to compensate for what's mm. going on in the crypto mm. world. Got to play a big game of catch up. That's right. Mm. There's one of these blogs that I follow, really interesting piece, why credit cards are getting heavier. And he calls it, he's decided to call it the um, heavy card effect. But um, clever ploy by marketers, basically. A heavier credit card influence people to spend more money. Let's call it the heavy card effect. Basically, people who have their CV on a heavy clipboard seem to perform better because there's more weight um, attached to it. Wow. So when you're at the checkout, and someone's offering you, you know, uh, uh, you're buying a laptop and they're saying, oh, upgraded warranties, this, that, bolt-ons, insurance, uh, this, that. You're suddenly, like, if it's a heavier card, you're like, hmm, I got the money. Wow. It's an interesting idea. I wonder if me having a heavier wallet means I spend more. That sucks. <laughs> i got to fix that. Buy Isn't the human brain weird, mate? Hmm. Isn't it strange how that can that can actually be a thing? Mm. Mate, you've been raving about this bulletproof wood. I got so excited when I saw this headline. It's, it was on Chemistry World. It popped up in my Feedly when I was doing my little rounds of the news. Basically, this is chemical treatment. Scientists at the University of Maryland um, have found a, pr- a way of making quote-unquote densified wood which is 10 times tougher than regular wood. So what they do is collapse all of the little voids and pits in the natural wood, which reduces the defects and basically makes it stronger. Now, they've got a two-step process. First, they boil the wood in a mixture of chemicals. Then the wood is mechanically pressed at 100 degrees Celsius, which squashes it into a really dense layer. And the process reduces the thickness by about 80%, but makes it 10 times tougher than natural wood. As strong as steel, but six to seven times lighter, which means apparently it has, according to the, the article, it's leading to a specific strength higher than almost all metals and alloys. Even the lightweight titanium alloy, says Lian Bing Hu, one of the researchers at the University of Maryland who was on the project. So, mate, Coindesk, they did the state of the blockchain for yeah. 2018. 
Yeah, it's like a hundred and something page set of slides, 170 different slides, a bunch of different bits of data in there. I'm looking at the top cryptos. Some really interesting takeaways. They were looking at where's all the money coming from this uh, in quarter four of 2017. So they found that forks were the largest token generating event of the year with $44 billion created. Wow. So a fork for, if you're not familiar with it, it's when you take something like Bitcoin and you change a bit of a few bits in the code, make your own version and uh, make that basically start working on that separately. And so Bitcoin Cash, that is a fork of Bitcoin. Mm. So that created $40 billion almost out of nowhere this year. And the remaining $4 billion um, was created by Bitcoin Gold. So $44 billion were created by forks. So everyone's been talking about ICOs as if it's like this huge thing. Mm. You know, like where most of the money coming in was ICOs. Mm. But really, it was Bitcoin Cash and Bitcoin Gold mm. by a huge amount. Mm. Eight times more than ICOs. That's unreal. All ICOs combined. Mm. Wow. So then there were some just interesting stats. So they interviewed, uh, or they interviewed, they gave a survey to about 3,000 people, um, probably people who are visiting their website. So these are crypto enthusiasts. Yeah. But of them, 97% of them were male that they interviewed. So it's a male-dominated survey. Um, 94% of people check their prices at least every day of those surveyed. Of those, 56% every day and 37% every hour. 37%. I don't... I don't... There's some days I don't check my prices. Yeah. There are only 5% of people, supposed, according to this survey, check a couple of times a week. Wow. So it's very likely that this data is skewed because they just asked people who visited the Coindesk website yep. to fill out this survey. Yep. Chances are you're an enthusiast yeah so they probably just asked enthusiasts but even so 37 percent checking every hour you know warren, warren buffett he was he's the guy who's saying look if you're a farmer you don't go out there valuing your house your land the price of all your goats all of that every day you look you go you, insane yeah you walk out the front you go what can i do with this yep but yeah, yeah it's a different world out here yeah but and look we have all been there too like i remember when i first you know, fell down the rabbit hole and got into yeah. crypto. Like, I was literally checking prices every hour. Mm. But it didn't last long. Mm. You know? mm. And then as I think as you ease into it more and you get more comfortable with the the whole in, investing in crypto, you... Yeah, like when I was on holidays, mate, I reckon I nearly went a week without checking prices. Mm. Just because just it just doesn't bother me as much anymore. Just buy it. Mm. You know, dollar cost averaging, get in mm-hmm. certain time and hodl. The one thing that really interested me though, mate, was seeing that almost fifty percent of people think that this is a bubble. And forty percent say that it isn't a bubble. So more people who are in this actually think that it's a bubble mm-hmm. than not a bubble. Mm. And this was taken towards the end of 2017. Right, okay. Uh, prices were getting pretty high. They were. And, yeah, interesting sort of stats. Um, 60% measure their portfolio in US dollars, 23% in another fiat currency, 13% actually measure their portfolio value in Bitcoin. Wow. Which is kind of cool. That is cool. Good on them. I don't believe you, but good on you. <laughs> and 37% bought a hardware storage device in 2017. So, yeah, um, 
click on the link in the show notes to take a look at it. There's a bunch of information. It's huge. There. Yeah, it's 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 is really worth a look because it'll just give you. It's kind of like a just a big overview of everything that went on. Mm-hmm. So yeah, pretty pretty interesting. Check it out. Mate, so a lot has been happening in EOS. You know, there have been emails they're sending around. There's news about different updates. So much going on. Mm. Tell us more. Mate, there is so much happening in EOS. So we first covered EOS in, I think, episode two. Like, it was one of our first episodes. You can jump back through the show. We covered a whole bunch of the tech mm. behind mm. EOS. It's had us excited for a long, long time. Mm. And it's really cool to see just how far it's come from that point. And to also see that they're actually doing what they said they were going to do, mm. which is great. Because essentially, the founder says that EOS is designed to deliver on the promises of Ethereum. Yep. Yep. So, his, th- their view is essentially that Ethereum was a great tech demo. It did a lot of really important stuff and kind of awakened the collective blockchain consciousness to all the possibilities. You know, everything we could do with smart contracts. It's why I'm banging on about smart contracts so much all the time because... We've seen what Ethereum can do, but at the same time, there's some big issues, and just like MySpace didn't stay as the first social network, mm. and, you know, it got superseded by Facebook and Twitter and a few others. Same thing with a lot of these blockchain projects. It's kind of like, well, that was generation one or two, and now this is the next generations. But what's got me really excited is the way they're approaching the concept of putting projects onto their platform so with ethereum at the moment you've got all these icos Mm. and we've talked about them we've featured a few of them but essentially if you want to build like an application on the ethereum platform generally what you want to do is get yourself a token and do an ico Mm. so you get a whole bunch of people to buy into that and what that happens is then people have value they have skin in the game and so they really want that platform to succeed Mm. so it's a really it's quite a novel way to achieve the spread of your little distributed application on Ethereum, but it it closes a lot of people off. You got to, a lot of them. You got to invest a certain amount of money, and it just feels a bit scammy too. Mm. And what EOS have said, which is just awesome, is that they've said we're going to take a whole bunch of the money that's been invested into EOS already, and we're going to give it back to the projects that are wanting to develop on our platform. So the the first project that they've announced, and and it's it's connected with a venture capital company, which is run by one of the EOS founders. There's a lot of extra money coming in from that as well, and they're essentially doubling down. They're saying we're just going to put everything into this, make it as great as we can. <clears throat> and the the motivation behind that is that so people don't have to do ICOs. Right. So there was a project called Everopedia, and it's worth googling. Have a look at it. Essentially, Ooh. it's Wikipedia on the blockchain. That it's like an cool. yeah, it's like an open source decentralized Wikipedia. At mm-hmm. the moment, Wikipedia is held on servers. You guys probably, whenever you visit Wikipedia, you see the little ad up the top saying, "Hey, we, you know, we need to keep this service running. Can you donate a certain amount?" Blah 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 blah. What Everpedia wants to do is put it on the blockchain, so they don't have to do that, and also mm-hmm. so they can host a whole bunch more articles and documents than there is on Wikipedia. Mm-hmm. And it's essentially a fork of Wikipedia right mm-hmm. now. They elected EOS to host the Everpedia program on the blockchain, mm-hmm. and the form, there's a former Wikipedia founder at the head of it, so he was one of the guys wow. that founded Wikipedia, so it's a wow. big deal, and they wanted to expand Wikipedia a lot more by putting it on the blockchain. Now, they were initially planning on doing an ICO, but 
they announced, I think, last week or the week before that instead they're not going to do an ICO. They're going to be airdropping their tokens to all of the EOS holders on the main chain once it's live. Wow. So that almost VC fund, that block one, mm. they're actually just funding that whole thing. Yep. And just giving that to everyone who's already bought EOS tokens. That's right. So they're saying wow. if you hold EOS tokens, you are going to get an equivalent amount of Everipedia tokens. And the tokens essentially allow you voting rights on and editing rights and wow. certain certain rights that are associated with that token within the platform. But it's huge, mate, because what Block One are essentially doing is saying you don't need to run an ICO. We're going to pay your development costs to develop on our platform to make it better. And what it reminded me of was when Windows Phone first came out. You remember about like five, six, seven years ago, Windows made a really big push to kind of break into mm. the phone market. Like Apple and Android were really strong and they were like, we want to get in on this. We missed the boat. Um, they partnered with Nokia, made a whole bunch of pretty good phones. Mm. But the problem was, was that anyone that bought a phone logged into the app store and they were like, I've only got like 10% of the apps that I get on Android or Apple mm. and even the ones that were on there weren't that great. And it was this really bad catch-22 of like, mm. there wasn't enough apps because people weren't developing mm. enough mm. on the platform, but people weren't developing enough on the platform because there, there wasn't enough people and there wasn't enough people because there wasn't enough apps, you know? So yeah. it was like this circular thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you think about it, how did Windows have said, we're going to pay for all these developers to develop apps all the apps that Android has, or all the apps that iPhone have, all the big ones anyway, on the platform before we even launch it, it could have made a huge difference because people would have jumped on and been like, well, everything's here and I can plug it into a monitor as well because it's a Windows phone and I can run Windows on it. Um, and that's what EOS is doing. They're wanting to make their platform as jam-packed with stuff when it launches that's mm. free for everyone and in fact we'll give EOS token holders like a share in all this wow. stuff the second thing since we last kind of gave you our EOS update was that Dawn 3 is out which is essentially like a new version of EOS In it's still in beta but mm -hmm. it added a whole bunch of new features there, there was a recent update that came out from Dan Larimer the creator and, and what he said was that They've decided that they're going to try and make EOS even more like an operating system on the blockchain than it was before. Mm. And you can go, we'll put the link in the show notes, you can go read the whole um, development update from Dan, but they're doing a lot of things to, to really try and make it so that you can spin up EOS blockchains really easily. Right. And even if you only have like one person that's a, a block producer, which mm -hmm. has like voting rights, um, you can still do it. So, you know, even if you're like a small business, but you want your own little working EOS blockchain, they're, they're trying to make it as easy as possible wow. for you to do that. Um, they're doing a whole bunch of other stuff as well, like fleshing out block production metering and compressing transactions, which are a bunch of technical terms, but if you're interested, you can go and read it. But the technical updates coming out of block one make me really quite confident. Just yeah. seeing the amount of stuff that's getting done, they're, they're kind of ahead of schedule. And a lot of the stuff that's coming out of there is, is, is really quite interesting and quite groundbreaking. And there's even hints that they're going to bring over Steemit, which wow. we've talked about before. It's a social publishing platform on the blockchain. And they're talking about porting that over to EOS. That would be keen. Yeah. Because Steemit is the, what is it? It's the, it's the, the most used blockchain or the most... 
what would you call it? It's oh. got the most transactions yeah, on it, I think. Yeah, because the cause... most things happening every yeah. second on it. And, you know, if you try running that on Ethereum, come back and report, see how it works, <laughs> run it on EOS, it runs like, it probably like knife through butter. Yeah, yeah. And the, and the big issue with Seamit, apparently, at the moment, is that there's a lot of whales, which are essentially people that hold a whole bunch of the tokens and are just kind of hoarding them. So mm. that's one of the big problems. And, 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 the EOS guys have talked about that and said, look, that's why we want to kind of bring that over and do that on EOS as well. Mm-hmm. So then the distribution of people that hold the, the tokens on that blockchain will be a lot bigger mm-hmm. because they'll go to all the EOS holders. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's a lot of people participating in the crowd sale. So nothing certain yet on that one, but that's another interesting update as well. And yeah, mate, at the end of the day, I'm just really, the, the more I look at this, the more I'm confident that this is going to be quite a, big platform in the future mm. uh, we yet to see if it's going to kill ethereum a lot of people are developing for ethereum and there's some great stuff going on there but mm. i'm not going to be surprised at all if you start seeing people jumping ship and I th- i'm mm. pretty sure there is actually a company right now that's that's just started up that are talking about creating a program that will let you convert like a solidity smart contract which is the ethereum language into something that'll work on the eos blockchain which could be could be massive because you've got there's the enterprise ethereum alliance hopefully we'll talk about that in another episode there we're going to be talking about enterprise blockchains another time but um yeah the enterprise ethereum alliance a lot of big companies i think including microsoft and a bunch of them all excited about this ethereum thing i'd be so interested to see what happens when they sort of really start paying attention to this eos stuff yeah yeah they're not already yeah and so look if you're in any way into programming or software development or uh, if you're in the legal sphere um, or even if you're just a business that's wanting to look ahead and say, what do I need to be clued up on? You could do a lot worse than looking at EOS. I'm quietly confident that it is going to be the definitive smart contract platform. Hashtag not investment advice, but I'm the more and more I see what they're bringing out, look at their technical docs, I'm quite confident that it's going to be used very widely. And if you want to position yourself to be in a position to take advantage of that in the mm-hmm. future, you could do a lot worse than reading, get, getting yourself familiar with the EOS ecosystem, mm-hmm. working out what skills you're going to need to be able to kind of pivot yourself into using that blockchain. Um, and yeah, mate, I think they've got they've got big things ahead. So. Definitely worth taking another look at EOS. Um, we're actually going to be going to the inaugural Brisbane EOS meetup, aren't we, mate? Yeah, so that's on the, what is it, the 7th of March 2018? Yeah, yeah, it is, yeah. And, and so if, if you want to come say good day, um, if you're in Brisbane or if you happen to be yeah traveling in Brisbane at that time, mm. um, it's on the 7th of March. We'll put the link to that in the show notes as well. And we're probably going to reach out to the organizers of that as well. Thank you to all our regular listeners for tuning in. Pleasure having you here. And um, yeah, hello to our new YouTube subscribers as well. Thank you for joining us. It's really good to have you here. If you want to be part of the show, why not send us a voice recording? Um, if it's under a minute long and it's in an MP3 or WAV file, something you can record on your phone or you know microphone if you got one, but just record it on your phone, ping it over to us um, via our contact stuff and we'll, we'll try our best to fit you in the show. Yeah, and look, it really doesn't matter what you want to talk about. I mean, if it's if it's news, if it's a few facts about an industry that you work in, or if it's something that you've just found that you think we'd find pretty cool, um, yeah, just send it through to us. We 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 love 
interacting with our listeners. That's why we're on, on Slack. Um, and, yeah, we'd love to feature you on the show. To be yeah, great. yeah. Be a part. Be a part. Mate, new segment for the show. What's that, what's that all about? Like we said at the start of the show, there's a whole bunch of news coming out almost daily now about hacks, about breaches of privacy, about crypto being stolen, about people not taking proper precautions and inadvertently either, you know, sending crypto to the wrong place or giving out their private key to someone and, you know, them logging in and stealing everything. And we thought it was about time to start a new segment here on the FOMO show about privacy and security. Yeah. So, um, why should people? Be, why should we be caring about privacy and security? Yeah. Look. So the the blockchain's quite different. It's it's unlike anything else we've ever seen, and it's it's permanent and it's digital. So what that means is that because it's permanent and because it's online, it's more vulnerable to hacking and tracking and all the pitfalls that's related to the internet. Mm. And being your own. The thing about being your own bank. We talk about being your own bank and how good it is, but the problem is is that being your own bank also means you have to take responsibility for your money and you have to take a lot of precautions like the precautions that a bank takes. You know, a bank mm. has anti a whole anti-fraud division. A bank has a whole bunch of security around... <laughs> <laughs> sorry. I'm just sorry. Like, um, I'm taking it seriously. <laughs> Banks care about fraud. <laughs> of course they do. <laughs> You know, banks have vaults, they have security on the doors, mm -hmm. they have a lot of, uh, they, you know, they encrypt their online sites. There's just a lot of precautions that they take mm -hmm. to try and not lose their customers' money. Now, the thing about hostile actors like hackers and, and thieves and, you know, generally anyone that's trying to steal something from you is that they'll normally go after the lowest hanging fruit. It's the reason why a lot of people put extra locks on their cars or alarms on their cars, they garage their cars or, you know, you still see people even putting the steering wheel locks in their cars. It's not to say that you can't still be broken into and have your car stolen. It's mm. just that it's harder. You know, it's all about making things harder because if you're on a street and there's a car that isn't locked and there's all the other cars are locked on the street, it's more likely that that thief is going to steal the car that's not locked and steals the keys in the ignition. The same thing is true for your privacy and security. You know, if you can beef up your security even a bit and make yourself a little bit harder to find or track or whatever, it's less likely that someone's going to attack you when there's so many other targets around. So, I saw this article today uh, on the register when I woke up and it was terrifying. The headline was, Talk down to Siri like she's a mere servant. Your safety demands it. Now... This is saying voice assistants get samples of our voice that can be remixed and faked. Now, this grandma in, I think it's the US somewhere, she got a call from someone claiming to be a policeman saying that her grandson, identified by name, had landed in jail. He'd hit a policeman while driving and texting. Policeman said they needed $4,000 in bail immediately. Old woman hung up, but the phone rang again, and the policeman said she could talk to her grandson. He came on the line pleading with his grandmother for bail money. She said she wouldn't do it, not because she was hard-hearted, because something didn't feel right. Anyway, long story short, you know, it, she, she actually ended up getting in touch with her grandson and found the whole thing was a setup, a scam from the masters of the craft. Yet the level of detail possessed by the scammers 
That was weirdly new. They tracked down this woman, found her phone number, worked out the name of her grandson, and that he lived on another town some miles away. Could they have got that off Facebook? Probably not. But it wouldn't be too hard to find enough personal details and social networks. It becomes a real straightforward process to trawl through other public databases, getting some, getting things together, and basically, if someone had faked the voice and faked all yeah. the words. It's showing that in the future, things are going to be faked more, and this is one of the reasons why privacy is so important mm. and why we put our voices out on the FOMO show. It's kind of scary, isn't it? It is scary, and that's why we need to be conscious of this stuff, because as tech moves, the ability for people that don't have your best interests at heart to do some really rough stuff becomes, you know, becomes more likely, the chances of it become higher. And so, if you're going to make yourself... Sorry. So, the best way to combat it is just to make yourself harder to, to attack, you know, mm. so we're going to bring you some tips and resources each episode to help you in in combating this stuff and get being more private and secure. So we're going to have specific topics in episodes after this, but just for this episode, we just wanted to start with some easy steps you can take right now to be more private and secure. And these are all quite easy, and it's really worth starting these now, just to start getting in the habit of taking these steps. So let's get into it. What do I need to do? Okay, mate. First thing, this is really important for you because I know you're all over social media. <laughs> you need to stop sharing your life on social media. Mm. I'm sick of seeing posts about what you had for breakfast. Me topless on the beach. I'm, mate, they are, they are no good. <laughs> People should not be seeing that. People should not be seeing that. <laughs> what is your future wife going to think of that? I don't know. I don't want to know, and I don't want to hear your personal dialogue on Facebook about it. Mm. So, stop it. <laughs> what else can I do? <laughs> so, apart from stopping sharing your entire life on social media, you can also get a VPN, which is a virtual private network. And what a virtual private network does is it routes all of your internet traffic through an, another server that's somewhere else. Mm. So, essentially, all your ISP, your, your service provider sees... And anyone else that's trying to monitor your usage is traffic going to and from that server. Mm. There's no real data about what that traffic is. It just shows that you're sending it there and it's coming back. So, for for comparison, if you're operating without a VPN, someone watching your traffic can see all the servers that your traffic goes to. Mm. So it will see if you're looking at Facebook that your service that your traffic's going to a Facebook server. It's a really easy way for basically anyone to monitor your traffic and build a profile on you, and that's okay if it's just um, if it's just your ISP looking at it normally because they, they expect that you're looking at a whole bunch of different sites. But if it's someone that's trying to profile you to hack you, mm. then that's a problem. Mm. So, virtual private network, relatively inexpensive. There's a couple that we use personally mm. that we'd recommend. Joe, you use private internet, internet Do access, don't you? I know. Yep. It's great. Yep. Yep. Uh, and Proton VPN is the one I use, and they're, they're the two that we can recommend personally. Mm. Mm. Um, there's a lot of bad ones out there, so... Mm. Do your research if you're not going to go with one of those two. <laughs> and ultimately, it's based on trust. I mean, I trust private internet access, and yep. I'm hoping that they don't log like they say they don't log. Yep. But, you know, it's, it's VPN is better than no VPN. Yeah, yeah look, and, and the biggest tip we can give you for that one is you're better off going with a company that's in a country that really values privacy, mm -hmm. uh, like, like Switzerland. 
Um, it's just a step that you can take that will really help. Relatively inexpensive. I think it only costs me about $5 a month mm. or something for mm-hmm. my VPN. It's not much and it's well worth it. Awesome. You can begin looking into privacy cryptos as well, like Pivx, uh, Zcoin, Monero, or Nav. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We did an episode on privacy coins. I think it was episode nine. Yeah. Go back and look at look at that. We did a, a nice roundup on them. There were, there were a couple we didn't cover. They are cryptos that help you stay more private on the blockchain as opposed to other cryptos which are a lot more public. Mm-hmm. The next thing you can do, and this is a big one, is stop giving out your email, mobile number, address, and re- real name to just any company. Your data is valuable and they, they honestly don't need it. Mm. And tying in with that, just you just need to start valuing your data a lot more too, I think, because mm. your data is essentially... As James Corbett says, data is the new oil. Mm. And, and he's right because it's, it, it, it is really valuable. Mm. And the reason you can tell it's valuable is because so many companies sell your data to other companies. It's a commodity. Mm. You just have to start asking yourself whenever you're filling out something, do these people really need my real details? Mm. Or is it good enough if I just give them a John Smith? Mm-hmm. So, in tying in with that, we'd really recommend starting to use encrypted email. So, Proton Mail is Proton Mail is one that I've got personal experience with, and we can recommend really highly. Mm. You can get free accounts with Proton Mail. They make their money by upgrading to advanced accounts, but honestly, the free accounts are amazing. And mm-hmm. what it does is it encrypts your your in your email sessions so that nothing is visible outside that actual session in the web browser. Right. And it will encrypt your if you if you're sending to another encrypted email address, it will encrypt your traffic between those two email addresses as well. Mm. So it's a lot harder for people to intercept that email traffic mm. going somewhere else. Mm. And in line with that too, the other thing you can do is start using an email forwarder. So there's one called Thirty Three Mail which I use, and it's really good because what you could, what you do is you essentially set up an account and you set up a uh, an, an address so it could be uh, joeblogs.33mail.com right. and then whenever you give out an address to a company so say you, you say email one at joeblogs.33mail.com mm. that will automatically create that email address on 33mail's end and send that email to wherever you're redirecting it. So it's a unique email address for each thing that you sign up for or use. That's right. Yeah, and you don't need to create it. You just have to type it into whatever you're signing up for and it will automatically send it to your 33mail account. And so you'll be able to see who's sending you spam and also who's selling your data Mm. because if another company starts emailing you from an address that you signed up to with you know company a you know that that company is selling you data mm. so it's a really cool way to actually see also who's not who's not doing the right thing mm. but it what, what it does predominantly is it protects your email address and you can just turn them off if you don't want to receive emails anymore from that address you just turn it off in the back end and you never get any spam from them again mm-hmm. it's it's really really just good adding layers between them and you that's right mm. A couple more. Um, get a hardware wallet to store your private keys. We've talked about hardware wallets before, but uh, Ledger Products and Trezor, as well as another company, they're great for this. Another thing you can do is if there's anything you can use two-factor authentication on, do it. Seriously, mm-hmm. it makes mm-hmm. things mm-hmm. so much mm-hmm. more secure. 
It's an extra layer. Mm. Attackers are going to go for the accounts that don't have two-factor authentication mm. over one that does every day of the week. Mm. You can also get something, you can actually get something called a YubiKey, which is essentially like a, a USB that you plug in. And unless that USB is plugged in, it won't authenticate. But the moment that plugs in and you hit a button, it'll send it a unique code to whatever you're using and it'll authenticate it. Mm. You can wear it around your neck or put it in your wallet. Mm. Um, and yeah, we just recommend not using something that's SMS-based if at all possible. Two-factor authentication is fantastic. I mean, Google have the Authenticator app. Mm. You can generate little... Um, it'll just have a code generator that just refreshes every 30 seconds or whatever for a bunch of the... Um, a bunch of big companies have it and just use it if it's there. It's... It, it may add, you know, five seconds to each, lo- well, 15 seconds to each login yeah. makes you secure. When my Gmail account was hacked back in 2012, I think it was, that's when I switched to two-factor authentication for everything. And because it's embarrassing. Ultimately, mm. if you get hacked and someone emails everyone you know, it's embarrassing. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, get two-factor authentication. Especially with your exchange accounts. Yeah, if, if the option's there, use it. And the last thing, and this is just a little more practical i guess a little bit more in the physical world but if you can get a po box because Mm. the amount of times you have to put your address on something and you don't want to put your residential address down but it's your only address is amazing so a po box is quite an inexpensive way to give people something that doesn't tie it to your physical address Mm. (coughs) so good little tip so we'll be taking a deep dive into some of these things over the over the next few episodes Mm because it's so important and it's it's so fun and good to know you know yeah. it's it's i enjoy better security every now and then i don't know about you but it's good good to have all right so okay blood baths i mean it's been a prolonged not really bud blood bath more of a flash sale for yeah. a month Mate, but blood has been running in the streets hasn't been it fantastic I've been buying until I ran out of money, but yeah, what am I supposed to do in a dip though? I mean, things I own are suddenly worth less. No, obviously you don't realize it until you realize your gains until you yep. sell them. But I mean, yeah. So late last year, everything was going up and up and up and up and up, and I think a lot of people thought it was just going to keep going up, and what we've seen since has been a real crash like everything's retraced like at least 50 percent and it can be really easy in the dip to not want to buy anything you know you get you feel like things are just going only going to get worse there's this weird thing that goes on your head when like things are going up you want to buy more whereas when things are going down your instinct is not to buy more Mm. We've got a few tips for what you should do in the dip. First big one is remember what made you interested in crypto in the first place. Right. This is really important mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. when things were going up, there was a reason you were excited and it wasn't just because things are going up. Like it wasn't mm-hmm. just because of the value. Mm-hmm. The thing about crypto and the blockchain in general is that the tech isn't going away. Mm-hmm. You know, the money might, the monetary value of it might go up and down, mm-hmm. but the underlying tech is here to stay mm-hmm. and it's only going to get bitter, bigger. And, you should really be engaging. You should really be gauging your investment on where you think this will be in ten years, mm-hmm. not in ten days. In twenty twenty eight, how many more people are going to be in this? That's right. If you look at the internet when it was in its infancy compared to ten years later, mm. it was, you know, at least a seventy or eighty percent uptake rate globally. Like it was huge. Mm. 
Um, and I think we're looking at a similar kind of uptake rate in the next 10 years for crypto. So you got to keep that in mind when stuff's going down and everyone's panicking and there's blood in the streets and all the the so-called crypto experts have gone quiet because they don't know what to do. Remember why you got interested and look at a really long-term view. So point two, um, consider why you're interested in each crypto project. If it's fundamentally a great project and you know does it does it change based on the value that the market gives it no no yeah and in, in a lot of senses it actually makes it more attractive you know because if it's still a great project and the market's not valuing it as much that's an opportunity mm-hmm. for you but it's it is really important when you're considering in these dips what you should be doing to remember why you were interested in crypto projects in particular now if you only got interested in something because you thought the price was going to go up based on the hype or the advertising, well, that's one thing. But if you've done an analysis on that project and you've said, I think this is really promising and it's got a big place in the future of the blockchain, mm-hmm. then your choice to invest in it shouldn't be dictated by the market price. Mm. It should be dictated by you thinking it's really good mm. and wanting to get in. Yeah, I've been watching a lot of these privacy coins since we had that episode, episode nine. That got me so psyched for these privacy coins because I think I saw a tweet from like Crypto Medici the other day, um, where it was something like, you know, privacy coins are going to win the store of value war, mm. well, store of value war, something like that. But it's like, you know, some of those things have gone up so high since when we did the episode on it. Mm. When we had that crash, some of those things were getting such attractive prices. I just couldn't get enough. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, that's point three. You have a second chance at getting some of the previous prices. It's essentially like there's big sales stickers on all this stuff. <laughs> you know, like it's essentially like you're walking into the store and you see all these cryptos and there's big sale tags on them. The product hasn't changed. You know, and the product does the same thing in real life. The product doesn't change when they put something on sale. Mm. It's just that it's at a discount. Mm. And for a lot of these projects, if, if you are really interested in them and especially if you didn't re- if you regret not getting in earlier you know if you if you came in halfway through the big price rise and were like well damn I've missed the boat you know I, I, now you've got a second chance the thing to remember too is that the best investors make their money in the dips you know you look at Warren Buffett for example he's he's just he's trying to get a great company you know, at a good price. If the price of Coca-Cola goes down to something attractive to him, he'll pick it up. It's it's the whole Robert Kiyosaki kind of take on it. The rich dad, poor dad take. It's you, you buy low and you sell high. Yeah. You look yeah. for those opportunities at the bottom mm. and then you ride things back up to the top mm. and that's when you sell and you wait mm. for the next dip. And they don't. And these opportunities don't come around every day, but there are opportunities every day. Yep. And, and that ties in with the fourth point, which is that markets aren't rational. And they're just they're not people respond to things based on emotion mm. and you've only got to look at the current state of the US share prices you know like so many of them are, are at an all time high mm. there's just all this excitement around mm. these shares but there are huge issues like there is no reason why these share prices should be as high as they are but somehow they are markets are not rational you're right I mean, if you look at this, you know, even with the, the 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 stats we were talking about earlier from the CoinDesk state of the blockchain, yep, people checking their prices every hour. 
bruv. I mean, that's fair enough. Sometimes on a, on some days you can you can see why if you're trying if to you're, get well if you're day training. Day, I mean, it yeah, makes sense for day traders to do it. But very good point. But if you're not day trading, what are you doing? <laughs> get back to work. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> do something productive. You know, your crypto will still be there at the end of the day, and you can check the price then. It's true. If you're not going to sell it. Why check it every 10 minutes? Mm. There's something addictive about that sort of thing, though, isn't yeah, it? There it's is. real dangerous. Yeah, there is. It's really nice to check your portfolio and see that everything's <sighs> gone up. <sighs> we all suffer from it, but just... Just, just don't get FOMO. Yeah. So, the final point is simply to remember that we've seen this movie before. Dips happen, markets move in cycles. That's the way they always work. If you look at any market chart, if you pull the the timeline out long enough you'll see that there's a, a rise and then there's a fall and there's a rise and then there's a fall and it, things just follow these patterns um, and that's how markets have always been and generally after there's a big rise it's really really common for there to be a big retracement as mm-hmm. well and normally the, the biggest dip is right at the start and then things just start building back up again you know and they start people slowly start kind of testing the waters and mm. putting money back in mm. and then i'm sure in you know however long whether it be three months six months a year we're going to see another big rise and something similar is going to happen again mm. and it's learning to rewire your perspective during those times mm. you know I, i've said before i make it a rule not to buy on green days simply because i don't want to train myself to buy things when things are going up mm-hmm. i try as much as i can to train myself to buy things only when they're going down mm. because that's when you're getting a better deal are oh, we often oh we, we we message every now and then in our slack board when those days are happening yeah and um yeah as matt says we've seen this movie before so get your inflatable armbands on Going on an adventure. That's right. And look, if you're thinking you're making a bad decision, or if you're not sure about something, jump on the Slack. Seriously, there mm. there there are people there. If it's not us, there's some other regulars that are that are going to be on there, and and we can tell you, don't do it. You know, yeah. just if if you're thinking of buying on a green day, jump on. You know, we'll we'll, we'll tell you what we well, think. Well, and if yeah, you, we'll bring you down to a depressive level of no, don't buy. It. So there's our five tips for what you should do in a dip. Let us know if you've got any other questions. Otherwise, enjoy the bloodbath. <laughs> so we didn't do a crypto of the week last episode, so we thought we might as well throw a few out this week just for good measure to catch up. Um, and look, these are projects that we think have some really, really promising things going on with them. It's not financial advice, but we recommend taking a look at these projects and just seeing what you think. Hmm. The first project is BlockCat. And what BlockCat are doing, they had an ICO about seven or eight months ago, and their MO is they want to create a platform where it's really easy to make smart contracts. Now, Mm. their whole goal is to essentially make it so that anyone can jump in and create smart contracts for almost anything. And the example they used when they were doing their ICO was when you're ordering a pizza. So if you say you want to order a $20 pizza and it's between four people, you could jump on BlockCat and create a simple smart contract with a couple of if this, then that statements and have everyone contribute five Ethereum to this contract, put that all together and, and buy the pizza. And they want it to be that easy. They've got a beta out now, which is uh, up on their website. 
There's not much you can do except launch a token, but they're going to be adding to it as time goes on. And I've been following their weekly updates now for a few months, and it's really interesting to see the uh, those updates come in and see what the team's working on. And the reason I've chosen to highlight it this week is because they've just, in their latest update, they said they've got a big development that's just about to come out. They've kind of been holding back a lot of the tech because they've been working on something and they've said that it's pretty much done and that no one is doing what this smart contract is able to do. Mm. So it's really worth a look. I think if um, if you're looking for something that may be about to break out, then this is a possibility simply because they've got a good team behind them and it sounds like they're about to unveil something quite, quite interesting. Mm. Uh, so another thing, and look, this isn't something that you can actually invest in, but it's something really interesting that's happening. It's called Cointext, and it's created by uh, Vin Armani, who we've we've featured this podcast on our podcast before. Um, essentially, what it is is it's allowing people to SMS Bitcoin Cash to each other, and the whole premise behind it is that everyone has a mobile phone number, or pretty much everyone has a mobile phone number, and that mobile phone number and the messaging system can actually hook into the blockchain if you design a bit of code to do that. And that's what they've done. And what it allows you to do is essentially send Bitcoin Cash to anyone's mobile number. And once they receive that, it automatically creates a wallet for them. And they can actually query the blockchain from their phone so they can text balance to the number. And they can also work out their, pri- their public key from that number and access their wallet from that number and send money to other people from that number. So it's a really cool melding of old technology with new technology. And the whole premise behind it, of course, is that if we're going to get adoption, we need to kind of bootstrap the blockchain onto some existing technology mm. to get people really interested in it. It's called Cointex. It looks really interesting. It's it's enclosed beta at the moment, so you have to apply to get in. And I think they're hitting open beta in March, but it's something to really keep on your radar and because I think it's going to be... It looks really promising. Mm. What is, is keen that they're like adding that onto the whole like SMS system, a new wallet for each thing, similar to that whole tipper thing you were talking about yeah. for... Whatever it was, I think that was the inspiration for it, actually. Mm. Yeah. Um, so this week's cool tool is meetup.com so it's a really really useful site if you wherever you live in the world um, most places you look you could possibly live in the world minus like Antarctica North Korea um, meetup.com is something you can sign up to it lets you as the title might suggest meet up with people in your local area there are for every like for a bunch of different interests whether you're a you know a, a whether it's mid-30s jogger mums or whether it's um blockchain events whether it's um you know f- investors and finance people people interested in philosophy language speaking clubs they got all of that on meetup.com and there are a bunch of different crypto things happening around the world so if you want to find some cool crypto events to attend check out meetup.com create an account it seems pretty cool you can just find some events near you see if there's anything worth turning up to the worst that can happen is you meet someone else who's interested in crypto yeah and look i've got to admit i got on this way later than i should have i did not know this was a thing until i think you might have even told me that that you were going to this meetup and i was like oh how'd you how'd you find that and it's like oh just the app 
Oh, yeah. And so, yeah. I, like, I checked on my phone this after- that afternoon and I, I found Meetup and I was like, are you kidding? Like, I didn't yeah. know about this for, for years. And there was all these, there's meetups for everything. You get to go to, you know, a bar or like a, a little restaurant or whatever with a group of like-minded people. Mm. And normally there's, you know, some interesting speaker and um, and it's it's great. You make a lot of connections. Um, and I, yeah, I, I, I can't recommend meetup.com enough. I mean, mm. this... These next few weeks, I've got several meetups that I'm planning on going to that I've just found on meetup.com and I've looked at them and gone, that, that, looks, that looks good. You know, mm. just go along, see what's what's happening. I've been to a couple that were not as great, but then yeah, I've been to same. some really, really, really good ones too. Yeah, so. you get the good with the bad, but it's so worth it. Because, I mean, like, even if you just meet one cool person at one of these yeah. events... It's mate, yeah. like, that's awesome. Like that's super. You can make a friend for life at one of these just by going to one event. Seriously, and, and it's it's especially true when you don't have anyone to talk to about something. You know, mm. like you'll find that you'll get interested in something, and like I'm interested in ice hockey, really interested in ice hockey. Like I've, <laughs> on my, on my oh, recent trip, I finally like fulfilled my dream of seeing my ice hockey team play live. You know, <laughs> and. Uh, for years, like I just haven't really had anyone to share that interest with. I do have a few people now, but you know, if you've got anything like that, the chances are you'll find a meetup for it, and you can go there and you can talk with a whole bunch of other people that are really enthusiastic about what you're enthusiastic about. So, if you're struggling to explain to your dog how the blockchain works and why Dogecoin is the next big thing, mm. go to meetup.com, check out some blockchain Take and cryptocurrency. Take your dog with you. You'll make a bunch of friends. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sounds... Meetup's great. I've enjoyed it. Check out meetup.com. Jordan? Oh, is that, you? Is that Matt? Oh, sorry, Jordan. I didn't have my, uh, my sound turned on. Are you there? Oh, yes, sir. How are you doing, huh? I'm good, mate. How are you? Oh, it's been a long time, huh? You've, you've, been, uh, you've been away. It's been, a, it's been a busy time, huh? Yeah, it has, Jordan. But look, mate, I've got to be honest. We haven't got any articles from you the last few weeks. What, what's, what's been going on? It's been a while. I've been very busy. There's been some administration work. I've been buying a new house. I actually moved. Uh, I've actually moved to a nice little Turkish village on the southern border. Right? It's a place called uh, Kilis. Huh? That's, that's what I'm doing. But I tell you what, I'm going to get you an article as soon as feasibly possible. I mean, I heard that Joe is trying to get this one on selling selling your you know funny crypto money. Huh? But I will get you an article for the website ASAP. Right, okay. That, that's good, Jordan. I appreciate that. Has there been any update on the the BitConnect the class action lawsuit that you were trying to file? Look, um, my legal team say I should not be speaking anything about that. In fact, I tell, what is BitConnect? I've never heard of it. No idea. Huh? Jordan, Jordan has nothing. He knows nothing about BitConnect. Huh? Nothing. Okay, but Jordan, there's still a lot of people after you, isn't there? I mean, should you really be telling us what town you're in? Oh, that's a very good point, huh? Oh, that's weird. We seem to have lost him. Mate, he does this all the time. He just hangs up on me. Just as you get to the real pertinent questions. I know. I start pressing him about when he's going to have his articles in and 
and telling him his wife's still chasing him. Yeah. And oh, all of a sudden, no, I've got oh, it's, it's breaking up. I can't hear you. And then all of a sudden, he's gone. This guy's an absolute tool. So, we're going to do a couple of listener questions now. And the first question comes from Luke. He's asked us to chat about the rumours that Ripple might be joining Coinbase. You know, while Ripple, might, you know, it's, it'll eventually probably be on Coinbase, you know, if, if it would be a total surprise if it didn't. The question is, why why is this being pushed now? Rumours of Ripple, you know, the same thing, you know, when, when what was it, Bitcoin Cash got added on, suddenly mm. they were, you know, oh, and you had the Coinbase people insider trading and all this and pushing the price up and all that. To me, it seems like it's just people trying to push the price of Ripple up because it's dropped. Yeah. And that's why I reckon, you know, I, yeah. I, I don't personally own Ripple, but yeah. And you do see thought. it a lot. I mean, I, you plausible. know, you, you check Feedly every day and you'll get up in the morning and you'll see a, is this Bitcoin's next bull run? Like, is Bitcoin primed? And, you know, someone will be saying that today is the day that Bitcoin's finally gone on a run and then someone else will be saying the opposite. And it just seems to be that the news cycle tries to encourage people to either buy or sell based on what people want the market to do. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it could end, it could be happening, but, you know... It like, could. I'm not going to trade it. Like, I won't trade on a rumour. So, we've also been asked to talk about our thoughts on regulations this year and what we think governments are going to try and achieve with regulation. Just on a speculation point here, just pure speculation, you know, governments want to be able to tax it. So, I would not be surprised if governments aren't don't start requesting public... Uh, addresses, you know, to be able to, you know, I'm just going to go out there and say, just requesting public addresses so they can actually monitor all your, all your transactions, so that they can make it a taxable event. Yeah, and look, you could see it happening uh, with, you know, even like giving your details over, couldn't you? You could be like, what's your name? What's your address? What's your mobile number? What's your public key? Mm. And even they could even just request that off Coinbase directly. So it's yep. just like how employers collect tax on your behalf and pay the tax on bit, so you don't even get to avoid tax as mm. an individual. Yeah, could just be the same that way. They just go look right, Coinbase. You're never going to be able to operate in the US or Australia mm. unless you give us all this data. And yep. Coinbase will definitely comply. Yeah, I'll compl- I would comply if they said that. <laughs> I just like, you know what I mean. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I, I think that's I think that's definitely right, mate. I think that the biggest thing governments are going to want to achieve is to be working out how much money people have invested in it, and how many, even if it's unrealized gains, how much unrealized gains they are making off this stuff. Mm. You know, because as we know, the the thing that governments like most of all is to know what everyone's doing all the time. Mm. And if there's any chance you're evading tax, well. Mm. <laughs> They want to know about it. So, yeah. I think that's the biggest thing that regulations will try and achieve. But, of course, then you've got the ICOs, which um, are, are disrupting the traditional venture capital market. And I'm sure there are some com- countries where venture capital companies have significant ties to the government. And I'm sure those venture capital companies, if they're not getting in on the blockchain, are probably stomping up and down about the fact that their model is being disrupted and, you know, they can't, they can't do things the way that they normally do things anymore so you could see governments clamping down on on ICOs as well mm-hmm. um, but I think generally it's going to be more and more about control controlling the blockchain controlling how people interact with it I'm um, interesting we were having a chat in our in the slack the other week um, uh, it was actually it was Luke who actually shared the the link to the um, SEC 
statements that were made in advance of uh, an actually uh, a hearing on on I think it was a Senate hearing on cryptocurrencies and regulation. I believe mm. that's what it was. It seemed like the SEC was saying, "Look, we don't want to ruin it for, for people, but we do want to protect people." And so, in some ways, it wouldn't surprise me if this year we see. Um, cryptocurrencies more classed towards the area of securities so mm. that you know this the insider trading a bunch of other regulations that apply to securities apply to these as well mm. or broadening definitions on those mm. I have no idea about the law I'm not a lawyer or nothing so I'm, that's what I'm racking yeah <laughs> but yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, look, and talking smart contracts as well I think you, you might start seeing some efforts to give some clarity about what is going to be binding and what isn't going to be binding and whether there should be any standards about how that all operates as well and how that interacts with the law. Um, mm. I think j- just generally, it's the, the governments are going to increasingly have to address a lot more of this stuff. They've stayed pretty silent so far, but it's only going to be a matter of time before they have to address a lot more of this. So, yeah. Mm. Yeah, good so question. That's thank you. Yeah, great. Thank, thank you, Luke, for the que- questions. It's... Um, and what do you reckon if you've if you've been listening and you're like oh this is what I reckon is going to happen with the regulation this year drop in our Slack let us know like where do you think what sort of things do you reckon government's going to be doing drop us a note in our Slack let us know cool so if you know someone who might enjoy the podcast please feel free to share it with your friends yeah you can find us at FOMO.show you can also jump in our Slack at FOMO.show slash Slack yeah you can follow us on Twitter at the underscore FOMO underscore show you can also find us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash the FOMO show and YouTube at YouTube FOMO.show slash YouTube well that's it for us here at the FOMO show thank you so much for joining us Uh, if you like our show please subscribe in your podcast app of choice that'll let you know the moment we publish a new episode I'm Matt and I'm Joe and as always remember no FOMO My name is Crypto Jack. (laughs) I sail around the crypto world. (laughs) It's the best pirate I've ever seen. (laughs) Anyway. Hmm. I really hope I don't accidentally forget to cut that part (laughs) out. You really need (laughs) to put it in the show. I really hope I cut that out. Really do. Joe, please, if you're hearing this and you haven't cut it out, Cut it out. It's not even made for... That's not for... That's literally not like... We can't... There are things that you're not allowed to talk about. Yeah. We're all just consciousness being controlled by reptilian aliens from the moon. Easy. Simple. Mm. Simple. It's what I heard on a YouTube video. Yeah. Must be true. Everything on YouTube is true. It's true. Thunder. Thunder. Now we're shooting. That was so good. We should do a like. Where can you find us in the next couple of weeks? Yeah, at my home, in my bed, <laughs> sleeping quietly. <laughs>
Best graph I've seen in years. <laughs> we were just looking at the Dow Jones Industrial Average. Just a nice little uh, beep. 